0: what is going on no bad dog army thank you ever so much for joining me today in the podcast you guys the i just want to say that uh, we got back from the uk late last week and i just want to thank every single person who came out from the bottom of my heart it was one of the biggest dog training events in the uk history um and i It it was just like last year. It was amazing and magical. And the relationships and the people that we met uh, are unforgettable. And I can't thank you guys enough. Even some of the people who came from last year, again this year, it was just amazing. It it was an overwhelming... I'm still recovering from the dopamine dump that we had over the weekend. Um, We are working on a documentary from the weekend. It's coming together beautifully. It's something we haven't done before. I I really I actually haven't edited a video in over a year because I have an editor, but because my editor Abby is so far behind, I actually am editing this video. So the video that we put out for the UK will be <laughs> a video that I edited and it's my little project and I'm I'm like a little kid in a candy store or like Christmas when I wake up and get to hack away on that. It's going to take another week or so and then it will be out probably next week, but Anyway, it's beautiful, um, life-changing. I, I don't think people understand the amount of m- the magnitude of this event. Um, and I hope that the <clears throat> documentary that we put together uh, showcases that. And it's going to be a longer one, of course, because it's it's fitting in an entire weekend with 70, 80 people into one thing. But um, I promise it'll be... Something that I really care about a lot and I hope that you guys get to check it out or you want to check it out. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, the UK, for showing up and helping your dogs and helping your businesses. And we had people from Portugal and Netherlands and Germany and all over Europe come over and it's just, I can't wait for next year. If you guys um, are, are interested in the, the US tour, the links are below. Of course, we're doing that next month in November. It's coming up. Uh, just a magical time. Very excited. I'm very happy to be at a place in my career where that many people show up for a live thing. And um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was magic. Amazing. This podcast is also amazing. This is um, just one of those master classes again, like the last episode that we did, and it's with a dog, a young Australian Shepherd that is reactive and barking. And as you guys know, we slowly start to say, like, you know, wait a minute, this has nothing to do with your dog. And so, of course, it's it's a lot of the same issues that you guys have heard. However, um, this is a really well spoken. I think just my. I think I'm just getting better at communicating different ways. And so as I'm listening to the podcast back, I'm like, this is just really good information. I know you guys are going to find something in there that you haven't heard me say before. So it's, it's, it's a really great podcast for anybody that's working on problems with your dog with reactivity and this dog has a bite history. And so as a young dog that's a year old that has a bite history, these are things that we have to take very seriously. So This is an amazing podcast, um, and I I know that you guys are going to really love it unless I wouldn't have put it out. Uh, We have another amazing one coming out on Wednesday, so we're trying to get back into the groove of twice a week. Obviously, I've been on the road, um, and it's challenging to keep that up. So, But anyway, I appreciate the support. Um, We are absolutely crushing uh, the podcast game right now, and I can't thank you guys enough. So hopefully you guys get to listen to this, and hopefully I see you on the tour. And make sure you listen to the end, because at the end... Um, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. If you guys want me to answer your specific dog training question, all you have to do is head over to the iTunes review chart and leave a review and your questions in the review. Also, uh, for those of you who don't know, we get a lot of DMs on Instagram and other places about questions about your dog and the training and stuff. I don't check DMs, but I will say that the Premier um, Members Club tier, which is $39.99 a month to support the No Bed Dogs Club, Uh, you have access to my staff. So you literally have a queue um, of my staff. There's two trainers that are in there that work with me uh, that answer your questions. So if you guys have questions or you want to go more in depth about your dog and go over it with a professional, you can join the No Bad Dogs Members Club. And um, something I haven't really said before because I didn't want to overload my trainers, but that's a thing and uh, it's real. And uh, of course, you have so many other benefits to the Members Club, of course. um, But you can... Check it out. Uh, click the link below if you guys want to join. Let's get into the podcast. What's going on?
1: All right. Well, Millie, she—I'm sure John. I don't know if he sent this to you. She's an Australian Shepherd. She'll be one next week. Um, she has gotten, I guess, progressively worse with strangers. Um, like if you know she sees somebody, she just starts going. Ballistic. and of course if they try to pet her that is not a good option um to me when she's with me that's an, like if she went to our neighborhood dog park um mm-hmm. and she's played with no, i just
2: the activity it's 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 all but it's not just on the leash though right heidi
1: right i mean it's you know when she when people come in the house now if they Come in, and they're here for like 15 minutes, and completely ignore her. Then she's fine. I'm just worried about her, you know, biting a kid. She has bit to a couple people, so I just don't want it to get worse. Like even when we drive around in the car, she kind of growls at people when they walk by the car.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And you, you, she, she's going to be one. You said. Yeah, next week. Okay. All right. So she's a one-year-old Australian, Australian. shep, yeah, Australian Shepherd, and she, she she does have a have a bite history. Um, yeah. And she's she's growling at uh, people when they walk by the car. She is reactive to dogs and people out on the leash. Okay, and so what is your what is your ultimate goal with her? I mean, what would you say that you really need to work on in order for your life to get better?
1: For her to pretty much be a good canine citizen and you know be friendly with people, so I don't have to worry about this liability of my dog biting somebody. We've never really had this issue. You know, we even had a German Shepherd um, that passed away this year that I'm more worried about her than I was about him.
0: Yeah, sure. They're, well, yeah, they're two different breeds. So they're, they're, they definitely have different, uh, behaviors. So what, when you say that you want her to be a good citizen, what does that look like for you? So obviously in a fairy tale world, it would be like, I want my dog to just never do anything I don't want. That's, uh, you know, that's what everyone would want, but what is for her, what does it look like to to be able to to have her be a good citizen?
1: I mean to me I wanna be able to take her out and not have this anxiety of her possibly. Okay. Kind of what
0: you're
1: looking for. I don't know, John, if you wanna answer.
0: Well, I think what what I'm trying to – I'm trying to narrow things down in a granule manner because, again, it's like having a dog that does anything that we don't I, – I rarely talk to people, if at all, that have a dog that is perfect. I don't talk to those people, right? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't deal with those types of dogs. But for you guys, when you have a dog that's uh, – you have a working one-year-old dog um, and they are – and she's starting to become reactive to things when you say like when we go out, we won't we don't want her to have the anxiety to bite somebody what is what do you to me that that, that to me that's like I don't want my dog to want to bite somebody, but there's a lot of moving parts that go along with that because it, it it'd be the same thing of like I don't want my significant other to ever get in a car accident It's like, yeah, that's <laughs> That's, yeah, of course, we, we would never want that, but accidents are accidents, and 99% of the time, especially with dogs that I'm referring to, if we have a reactive dog that doesn't like people, and they're under control, and then they do have an accident, it, it, most of the time it's preventable. So I'm trying to narrow down, uh, again, other than the obvious of, I just don't want my dog to make a mistake. Okay, I-
1: I need to be able to take her to the kennel, so that you know when we travel that she has a place to go.
0: Okay. Um, so the kennel would so be I the yeah. The kennel would be the place that you would bring her when you guys are away. Correct. Okay. Right now, have you brought her to the kennel?
1: No, she did have to go to the vet um, this past week, and I put a muzzle on her. When we went in, of course, at the vet tech, she was snarling and growling, hair up.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Okay.
1: It's a lack of confidence, too. But then they took her in the back to do little tests, and they brought her back, no muzzle. She was all happy. And they said as soon as she got away from you, she was fine.
0: Correct. So that's what I'm trying to narrow down for you guys and to try to give you the most value as possible is understanding that all of the things that you want, this wish list, it's – two things off the top of my head that I'm hearing is a, it has nothing to do with this dog zero and B when I ask dog owners, like, what is your ultimate goal? There's always something that you're like really looking forward to. You're like, okay, this is really why I called you. This is really why I set up this appointment. And it sounds like it's like, well, we want to be able to bring her to the kennel so we can go away. We can go on vacation and stuff. And so again, like, you have to start preparing for these things. So I'm going to I'm going to pull back a little bit and just tell you that in order to start getting your dog ready for something and or like mentally you're you're having this roadblock of my number one goal is to bring her to the kennel, but we haven't worked on it yet. We haven't started it. It hasn't even begun. So my thoughts around that is is you're going to have to start prepping for the kennel by starting to find a kennel and if you have one start going to that kennel regularly so she starts to get associated with it. But most importantly understanding that from what you've told me so far she's she's not going to be the dog you want her to be unless you start changing because it hasn't this has nothing to do with her. She's not mean or aggressive or reactive Innately, she's doing it because of your relationship with her is off. Okay. And the reason why I'm saying that is because when we have a situation where we say, my dog is reactive and aggressive and X, Y, and Z, the things that we don't like. But as soon as she's away from me, it's gone. Poof. So what does that say? Right? So this is those, these are these, these funnels that we typically see in behavioral cases of it has zero to do with the dog and it has everything to do with your relationship with your dog. So that's where you're going to have to get back down to the basics and start really asking yourself the things that you can do with her and the things that you can't yet. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So the kennel, um, so again, like if, if, when you're trying to when you're prepping her for the kennel um is this a place that you already have is this a place that you're already know about
1: i mean i know of where i was going to take her i just haven't taken her there yet
0: okay so when we talk about bringing her to places that we we want her to be successful in the first thing is control so it's like uh, you know m- m- it would be like, I want to play in the major leagues. I want to be in the professional leagues, but I haven't swung a bat yet. I was like, okay, well, we got to start somewhere. So how, how good is your obedience with her when you actually ask her to do stuff in a semi distracted environment? So if you walked her outside in your backyard right now and you asked her to do stuff, how would she respond to you? How would she engage with you? How much attention would you get from her in that environment?
1: I think she's, uh, pretty good. Um, the, you know, healing is a little bit, she doesn't do it very well with me with John. She does very well. Um, he, I mean, he's better at training a dog than I am by far. Um, but you know, she, she will do a recall. Um, you know, when I could have her off a leash in Illinois, you know, she would chase after the rabbits in the morning and within the first or second call, she would come back to me okay good.
0: um
1: so she, she she does have i mean she does get distracted very easily um so when i she, wouldn't say it's terrible
0: right so when you say she gets distracted um okay so when you're bringing her into the kennel she doesn't have a good heel with you so
1: right no she pulls on the leash terribly we have not been able to correct that yet.
0: okay so that boom That's step one. So healing your dog is the most basic thing you should have with your dog to introduce anything. It would be like the ABCs for kids. We have to learn how to pronounce the A and the B in order to put together sentences for our future. That's your foundation. That's your brick and mortar. That's your ability to communicate with your dog is on that leash because they don't speak English. So you can't say, hey, you're doing bad or you're doing good. You have to be mm-hmm. able to communicate in a way that the dog understands. And your leash is where that starts. So here's my, here's, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to peel off layers, but at the same time explain to you the things that are happening, which is why your dog is at the place that they're at. So okay. when, w- when you want to have your dog behave somewhere, in a very distracted environment that is very challenging for nine, 99% of dogs, right? You go to a kennel, it's barking, there's smells, there's new people, mm-hmm. but we can't, we simply can't have a conversation with our dog. The only other way to get your dog to a well-behaved dog into that environment is if they naturally are just behaved where they're like, I love everybody. Throw me in any mix. I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's not your dog. Australian shepherds are typically not like that in general. They're not. So you see what I'm saying here is mm-hmm. you don't have the, you don't have step one and you're thinking about, well, I'm not doing good at step five. I'm really struggling with five. And as a teacher, I'm pulling back and I go, well, wait a minute. How's step one? You go, oh that that's step one. We don't, we, <laughs> that doesn't exist. We don't have that. Mm-hmm. So that's what you have to start focusing on is don't, focus so much on this fix it mode of when i bring my dog to certain places she goes crazy she doesn't she doesn't do well she reacts she growls she barks she lunges she bites because all of those things are next level stuff those are things that are difficult and challenging for dogs to behave in those environments but again like you don't have the foundation to control your dog in that environment even if they were happy-go-lucky, excited, and friendly. Do you see what I'm okay. saying? Yeah. So um, those are the things that you have to start working on is your foundation. So if you came into my facility and you said, hey, this is my dog. She's a one-year-old Australian Shepherd. She's nip people. She does terrible at the vet. She does terrible out in walks. She doesn't listen when there's distractions. But my biggest concern is, is when we go away to the kennel, I want her to be okay. Well, to be honest, if you just handed the leash off to one of the people at the kennel and walked out, she'd be fine in about 14 seconds. That'd be it.
1: But that problem of handing her over, because that's what happened this summer. Granted, she had never been in this vet's office. Um, She was used to a different one. I handed her over and then that's kind of when she bit.
0: Yeah. So, but again, and, and this is what I'm trying to instill is understand that because of your lack of control in that environment, mm-hmm. y- you you don't have a shot, zero shot. Okay. Do, you don't, do you see what I'm saying? So again, if yeah. you came in for training and you said, I want my dog to behave at the kennel and let's say my dog loves everybody. My dog kisses everybody. My dog runs up to everybody. My dog jumps on everybody, but my dog is not behaved. And when I go to the kennel or I go out in public, I want my dog to be a well-mannered, good citizen, just like you said. And then I say, well, okay, how's your obedience? It's not that great. So then I say, well, you can't have your dog behave. You can't have both. You see what I'm saying? So that's what you have to focus on. This has nothing to do with the the kennel necessarily. This has everything to do with your ability to control your dog in a very low setting and then Mm -hmm. expecting your dog to do something, perform very well in a higher setting. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? So you have to get back down to the very basics of teaching your dog things because, okay, I can give you the quickest fix ever and we can, we can take the biggest shortcut and just, this is going to work for you. You guys can go on vacation. You put a muzzle on her, you give her to the person at the kennel, you walk out the door. That's it. That's your training. But that doesn't fix her anxiety. It doesn't fix Mm -hmm. her stress when she's in these situations. Your relationship is what's causing the stress and anxiety and the biting and all of that stuff. So I would just I would suggest to start working on the very basics before these things happen. Because alternatively, again, we can say, okay, when you go into the kennel, correct her when she growls and lunges at the person. Right now you probably don't have a good punishment system in place, which means you don't have the ability to tell their, tell your dog effectively that they're doing something wrong but then at the same time it's also not going to make much sense because you don't have that relationship with your dog in the first place.
1: Okay.
0: Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So um you you just have to get back down to the basics and work your way into these scenarios so your dog is more successful. Cuz it's not a okay. it's not a quick fi- I, I mean the again the quick fix is not actually fixing it. It's just, hey, let's get rid of the problem, which is you with her. Like you are causing all of that stuff with her, which is which mm-hmm. is what you saw. So the quick fix or the, the avoidable f- fix is you hand the leash off as fast as you can. You get out of there and she's going to be fine. But again, you know, to me, I, I would just want my dog to be less anxious and more confident and not have to deal with these things in the first place. Yeah. Do you have any questions on that?
1: um no just we have looked at like board and train programs do you recommend a board and train to get it started or should i just have a trainer come over and work with me on it
0: yeah it's a good question i I think both would be good um but in this scenario because your dog is only doing the things that, so if we to have a thing that three things that we, the top three things we don't like reacting to people, lunging on the leash and you know, what, whatever else you want to plug in there, Th- the top three things that you're likely having problems with externally, meaning the things that you want to stop are predicated because of you. So mm-hmm. again, if you had, and this is something that we've done before with, with dogs for consultations for boarding trains. Is if you came in with this dog and you told me what you just told me, and this is basically what this service is anyway, is a consulting service. If you Mm -hmm. said, "Hey, this is what this is the deal," I would say, "Well, I would really recommend uh, in-person training because as soon as you walk out those front doors and you drop off your bed and the dog's food, your dog's just gonna, your dog has zero care about us. Your dog is probably gonna be anxious that you left, but the problem that you came in for of the reactivity and the aggression." Is not going to exist with us. We're not going to have any problems with that because she doesn't care about us. The only reason why she's becoming aggressive is because when you when you hang on to that leash. So I would okay. I would recommend to to uh, do the best you can to find a trainer that can help you become a better handler to slowly start to kind of uh, chip away at the 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 reasons why these things are happening with your handling development. Okay, that's what I would recommend, but. The board and train pros are getting a lot of the groundwork done faster. So again, if she doesn't have a, a place command or a heel or a leave it or a recall that's really stuck, most dogs have an idea of what they, what we want them to do, but it's not good. You know what I mean? Like most dogs know mm-hmm. sit or when you call their name that you want their attention, which may be a recall, but. Uh, Not many dogs will actually follow through with it with sincerity and and with, with real confidence. So a lot of that stuff for boarding trains is great for that reason. Um, But again, like the biggest problem you're going to have is as soon as that boarding train handler hands the leash back off at you after that dog just spent two weeks with that person, there's a very high likelihood that that dog's going to turn around and try to bite that person because you grabbed the leash. Okay. Yeah. So you could do both too. I've had several clients do that where it's like, hey, we're gonna leave the dog with you to get the groundwork done. And then when you come, you're gonna do follow-up. Like we do lifetime follow-ups with all of our boarding trains for free. It's included yeah, in- Yeah, that's the
1: ones we've, yeah, we've- That's what I yeah, would interviewed do. a couple of those that, and one even offers additional classes. Like you can come to as many, you know, group classes too yeah. and, you know, learn things.
0: Yeah, that's what I would do because you need, you need both. And I just would, um, I I would encourage you to just understand by doing this as, as much as I have with this part, like this exact scenario, just understand that, um, it, it, when I'm saying these things to you, it's, 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 of course, it's not to, to tell you like, Hey, you're the problem. You're the reason your dog's aggressive. You should, you know, it, it's simply to just say. Like, look, the 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 situations that you're having are very, very, very um, controllable and and preventable. But my number one thing for you is to really understand that, because a lot of dog owners will will say like the problem, the problem, the problem is this, and I really would would encourage you to to just understand that those externals. Again, the aggression, the barking, the reactivity. Once you start focusing on your relationship with your dog and you try to look at like, well, why is my dog like this in the first place? And how can I help my dog become more confident? Then things will change for you. Because what I would hate to see for you is, and we've seen this before, it's why I'm saying it, is you You go out to a training facility and you say, hey, here's all the problems with my dog. These are the things we want to work on. And some, some board and train facilities will take advantage of you and just say, yeah, like we can help you with that. But the reality is, is somebody needs to spend a, quite a bit of time with you on, on redeveloping your relationship with her. And I just, I want to really imprint that that in with you so you understand.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So I I want to go over some things that I would start doing today that can help okay. you. So of course I've been telling you all the time like you're the problem <laughs> but I want to I want to go over <laughs> I want to go over a couple things. I want to go over what that means. Like okay, first of all, I love my dog the most. I've cared for my dog this whole time. Why am I the problem? Why is my dog like this? And then I want to go over the steps that you can take today to start helping with that. Okay. Okay. So the reason why some dogs can get like this and to be fair to you, Australian Shepherds are historically high drive, intense, pushy, smart, intelligent, drivey dogs. So they're not the easiest dog to work. I mean, if if I were to say on a scale of a German Shepherd and an Australian Shepherd, which one's harder to live with, the Australian Shepherd in my experience is much harder to, to, to live with because they don't really seek – the love and attention and affection and relationship from others, where sometimes Mm -hmm. German Shepherds will have two or three or four different companions that they love the same. And in my experience with dry V Aussies, they don't, they really just they are like a one man show, if you will. And so there's that. My point is, is there's genetics that are going into this. This isn't a Labrador retriever. This isn't golden retriever. This is a dry V dog that, was born and bred to work. So there's that there's the genetics part. It's not an easy dog. And then understand that when you get a dog that has this genetic imprinting of work where they're like, Hey, Kim, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you, they have all this energy in their head to say, I'm supposed to be working. I'm supposed to be driving. I'm supposed to be doing stuff. My mind is supposed to be clicking on and off all day. I need a job. And Mm -hmm. in that job for obviously the working people would be, you know, on a farm or whatever. But for the most, for the most pet owners, it would be mental stimulation and boundaries. That means, and that looks like for you as a pet owner to say, when I ask my dog to heal or I tell my dog to sit, it's, 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 really following through with that and holding the dog accountable. So they know that it's not a, it's not a plea and it's not an option to just say, I don't really feel like it Mm -hmm. And that there, that exact thing can and has, and could be the problem that you're dealing with lead to insecurity because you have a working, let's just say you have a very intelligent, dog because some people don't understand the working i'm talking you have a dog that needs a job they're busy 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 like certain kids Mm -hmm. right they're like all the time grabbing stuff and they're they're on to the next hey you can't play with the scissors okay how about the pumpkin okay you can't play with the pumpkin how about the car keys nope can't play with that it's that's kind of like what these dogs are and if you give them very loose boundaries and you give them very lack of structure which means if you tell a dog to sit and then they're like i'm not sitting and then you're like, okay, I'm going to ask you again. And they're like, I'm still not going to do it. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more time. And we're kind of sitting there playing with them and we're treat bagging and we're squeaking and we're squawking and we're kissing. The dog's going to go, wait a minute. I don't really feel that comfortable with you because you're not, you're not really showing me confidence here. Okay. And then, what, and, and then what ends up happening is that type of relationship with a dog can sometime morph into too much love and not enough leadership. So you'll have, I love you, I love you, I love you, you're the best, cuddles, kisses, couch time. But when I say, hey, I want you to do something, it's very unaccountable. It's very like, uh, it's either pleading or it's it's just, it kind of dilutes where we say, you said Millie, right? Yep. It'd be like, Millie, come. And she's like, squirrel. Millie, come, squirrel. Millie, come, squirrel. And then you just kind of walk away. So those little things, and and you can apply that to anything. I'm not just saying, well, she doesn't care about squirrels. I'm just saying in general, we ask her to sit, she doesn't. We tell her to come, she doesn't. We tell her to stop jumping, she doesn't. We tell her to stop barking, she doesn't. Any time that you have asked her to do something and she has said, she's blatantly just blown you right off is a a point for her and a step back from you where she starts to kind of I have my hands up in the air. She starts to go to the right all the way up, building like a graph, and you start to go down. And she starts to say, you know what? I think I can make the rules around here. And then if mm-hmm. she's so used to making rules and kind of hearing you talk without any accountability, come, sit, down, no, leave it, ba 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 she will then not listen. And she knows that if she doesn't listen, nothing's going to happen there's like whatever i'll just do what i want so then here, here okay so besides the dog not listening and you not being able to ask her to do stuff to have her be a well-behaved dog in general the behavioral part what ends up happening is is when she when she sees somebody that she's maybe suspicious of this is where it matters this is where the fork in the road happens So let's say you spent six months kind of diluting down your relationship where you're not, two things is if she doesn't listen to you, there's no accountability. And if she doesn't listen, you just kind of move on. So then she goes, yeah, you don't really care. I can kind of do what I want. And then as a one-year-old dog, she sees somebody that she may not like, she may be suspicious of, she may be nervous of, she may have stranger danger. And then she starts to kind of go, hey, I don't like you. Or, hey, who are you? And it, and for dogs, it kind of looks like, that's kind of their, hey, who, why are you in my yard? Why are you in my space? Why are you in my, mm-hmm. you know? And then here's what happens is you go, Millie, knock it off. Here's the thing. She doesn't listen to you. She doesn't look at you for, is this okay? Should I be doing this? Oh, you want me to stop? So your foundational relationship at its core becomes very diluted. And it becomes very secondary to what she wants. She's like, yeah, hold on, Ma, hold on, let me handle this. And so when then when then you're brought to a situation where she's a little suspicious, or again, nervous of somebody, and she starts to make moves. This is like the next step. This is the next level. So at the first level, and this is what I see often at the first level we're kind of like you said like she listens to John more than you and so if you're handling her then it, it, then you're responsible right it's like if mm-hmm. you brought your kid out in public and you're like well he listens a lot better to my husband than me it's like well your husband's not around so we we, we, we you know your kid is running in in, in oncoming traffic right now we you, he's got to listen to you so right so this is this is what I'm saying is is that relationship at at its very core then gets met with reality where she gets suspicious or whatever. And then you tell her to knock it off. And she's like, no, 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 no. I don't, we don't have that relationship. Let me handle this. Move in the back. And then that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of how things play out. And again, give or take, right? I mean, there may be some things in this story where you're like, actually she does. But a lot of this is the typical roadmap for dogs at this age with this breed that start to become the way that they are. So that accountability is, let's say, you walk into the vet. Now, the vet is a very suspicious place for dogs in general. The smells—it's like a, a really busy restaurant for dogs. Meaning, the vets and the vet techs are wheeling and dealing. They're like next, 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 next. You know what I mean? It's they—they mm-hmm. they, they would just rather the dogs not be aggressive or reactive. They just want to take the dog, put him in the room and get him out. And that's not, that's just at scale. I'm just saying at scale. Some vets are very slow. They take their time. I'm I'm just saying a lot of times it's, oh, great, Millie's here. Can I, you know, they go to grab the leash and then the dog reacts. So it's just a scary place. Mm -hmm. But again, if you, if you go into a place like that, so again, this is where your relationship meets reality, you go into a scary place like that and you go outside you open the door she she kind of pulls you and drags you over to the yard to pee she's sniffing so there she she already goes mom we're going this way she grabs your hair and pulls you over here you go okay she's sniffing she's peeing she's sniffing you're like oh we're running late let's go inside she realizes that you're going to that door which she sees she pulls you up the stairs she pulls you inside so she immediately goes mom we're going this way she drags you in and then there's somebody that's sitting there or whatever the phones are ringing there's other dogs It's a slippery floor and she has no engagement with you. She's not going to look back at you. She's not going to ask for permission to go inside. She's when you say, Hey, Millie sit, she's not, she's not going to do this. She's too stimulated. Your foundation doesn't exist at this point. And then somebody starts walking up to you with intent of grabbing that leash. And she starts Mm to go "Mm," and you, and then all of a sudden you choke up on the leash. You get nervous and then they reach for the leash and she lunges and then bites the person. All of that is what I would see. For the average dog owner, it would be I brought my dog to the vet and she nipped the vet owner or the vet tech. So you just mm-hmm. have. So I just want you to understand from the point of view of a professional watching these things play out, that's kind of how things look from my point of view of like, well, you didn't have control at home. And then all the way to the vet, there were four or five different things that she also just dragged you around about. And then you went inside and then you expected her to be perfect. And then she made a mistake and you're scratching your head going, that sucked. So those are the, those are the things that you have to start understanding that that's how that plays out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So now again, the other side of the spectrum is your dog is friendly, happy, go lucky, loves everybody. I usually don't talk to the people who are at that, spectrum because it's not a problem. It's not a liability. But understand that the state of mind that these dogs are in is just as tragic and devastating as it is for your dog to be aggressive. They have no control. They have no confidence. They don't listen. They have no structure. They have no boundaries. They have no job. They are unfulfilled, just souls panting around this earth with zero accountability. And it's devastating. And I see it every day where, again, let's just transform, you have a dog and it's the exact opposite. Same thing, dragging you inside could care less about you. You say heal, she says, Nope. You say sit, she says, Nope she goes with the other person she's jumping on the counter she's jumping on other people we're paying her we think it's so cute we're giving her treats we're telling her to do stuff she's not listening okay the treat the cookie comes out she sits she puts her butt on the ground it gets right back she walks away people are like i don't need training my dog is happy and it's like your dog is disgustingly not happy so i my point by saying that is is i want you to understand that it it it, it happens like to everybody so the things that you can do to to help, okay, Mm -hmm. is accountability at at the core. So right now, when your dog wants to do something, there's no filter. It's, I'm just grabbing it, grabbing it off Mm -hmm. the table. I see somebody, there's no, there's nothing that kind of stands in between. There's no um, friction there. It's just, I'm doing this. What are you going to do about it? So let's just go back home with her and talk about what you would do at home. So let's say we're going to go to the front door and we're going to work on some impulse control. And this is, this is the key for you. This is the most important part. Having your dog being held accountable and understanding that there is a filter that they have to go through in order to get what they want. It would be, honestly, it would be the equivalence in human behavior as please and thank you. Can I, can I be excused from the table? Yes. Thanks for asking. May I please have a cookie? No, because it's about to be dinner. They reach for the cookie anyway. You say, give me your phone, no more TikTok. They cry. Accountability, correction, consequences, discipline, right? Mm-hmm. If we didn't have that, not only would the kid f- fundamentally be very <laughs> all over the place mentally, they're like, every, every day is recess, every day is Disneyland. It's not only a dopamine, it, it, they, they would mentally pass away. It would be devastating, right? So Mm -hmm. same thing with dogs. So let's go to the front door with her. What does your equipment look like with her? Um, What are you using to handle her? What are the certain tools that you show up to the job with her that you're using right now? What does that look like?
1: Right now I make her sit. It's kind of further back from the door and she has to wait. And then I open the door and... Probably 75% of the time she'll sit there. Um, If she moves before I even open the door, I go back and I make her sit again. Like I don't open the door until she's seated. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually she'll wait until I tell her. 100% if it's somebody she knows, she definitely waits. If it's somebody she doesn't know, then that's when she starts breaking, you know, her... Right. Sitting.
0: Yeah. So so look, that's that great information, great feedback. I want you to, and I'm going to hold up a mirror to your, to your words right now and hit it right back to you. Understand what you're saying is when my dog knows somebody, my, my partner, my family, neighbor, whatever, my dog is not going to bite anybody. My dog is not going to jump on anybody. My dog is not X. But when my dog doesn't know this person, which is going to be what 99% of people when you're out or more, when you're out, Mm -hmm. my dog's not going to listen. So these are, so I like the idea that you're focusing on what your dog is good at, but I want you to understand that you should be focusing on, okay, how do I help my dog become better? How do I make this better where my dog goes into reality and then you know shit kind of hits the fan. So mm-hmm. when and and I want to talk get granular on what you said. So when she when you say sit and stay or whatever and you grab that door and she's like I'm not sitting and she gets up. I want you to understand that <clears throat> um instead of so remember earlier in the conversation about 20 minutes ago I said when you ask your dog to do something, we're we're basically like, do this, do this, do this. And the dog's like, "Mm." when you have a dog that has a bite history or has a dog that could be dangerous to the public, there is no option of "Mm, maybe. Mm -hmm. It's sit sit, dude. There's, this is what we're doing. Like, okay. So instead of asking her to do it again, you should correct the dog when they make the mistake so they can learn to not make that mistake again. It's very basic behavioral understanding. As Same thing with humans. It doesn't matter if it's your golf swing. It doesn't matter if it's your driving. It doesn't matter if you're a cook, chef. If you make a mistake, you want to be like, that's wrong. You need to do it again. And there's got to be some sort of accountability in order for that chef or that golfer to become better. If we just say, do it again the same way it's not helping that subject Mm -hmm. so if you apply some sort of a correction or hey that's wrong then that will help sustain the understanding of oh i can't do that so when you're doing this are you just doing this off leash with her or are you doing it on the leash
1: off leash because if she's on the leash then she's way closer
0: okay so I want to start getting back down to the leash and again remember what I said in the beginning your leash is your training wheels when you want to ride a bike your leash is your ability to communicate on every level in the beginning that's your ability to show the dog pressure that's Mm -hmm. the ability to let a dog know that they're doing well That's your ability to hold the dog accountable when they flip you off, or simply when they just don't understand what they're doing is wrong. So, leash pressure in the very fundamentals, like what we do with puppies, is simple. We have a dog on a leash, an eight week, 10 week, 11 week young dog. They are facing away from us. I have a leash. I apply a little bit of pressure, and it stays and it sticks. And the dog may be sniffing the ground and pulling the other way. And they're pulling and they're like, this is uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable. And the moment they just turn around and start walking towards me, the pressure shuts off and the reward starts happening. Negative reinforcement. We say, yeah, good job. You did it. And then, so my that's just that a very fundamental. My point is, is your dog has to understand that there's consequences for not listening, especially if they know better. If they know the behavior is wrong and they're like, I'm not doing it and you're like okay that's fine we'll just do it again <laughs> you see what i'm saying so mm-hmm. that that mindset that she may have of there's a person approaching i'm going to bite them and the only thing that mom's going to do is just say let's try to go in and out again without the blood see what i'm saying okay there has yeah to- yeah go ahead
1: or other we weren't sure what to do like we didn't want to be too overbearing or aggressive because we didn't know if that would shut her down more and give her less confidence. You know, we just didn't know how to deal with the,
0: yeah. no, I understand. Yeah. But, but, but but again, as me as a consultant and an expert in behavior, you don't have anything. I wouldn't worry about, Oh, it's too much. Or I don't want to shut the door. You don't have, you have, you don't have anything other than a dirty yeah. look. Maybe. And <laughs> trust me, she's not going to, she's not going to care about that at all. <laughs> so, I understand what you're saying, and and I totally respect it. And and that's the last thing I would want, too. I would never want to shut a dog down so they can't learn. But understand that you're doing zero. So put the leash back on to start teaching the dog accountability. And I don't know what equipment and setup you have. I would suggest at least at the very minimal a a martingale or a slip leash that has action. And what action is is – like a flat collar is essentially a a collar that holds dog tags. It's, it's a, I always have a flat collar on my dog for dog tags and other things, or, you know, if you need to grab Mm -hmm. your dog quick, that's what that's for. Now it doesn't have any action, right? So when you pull on it, 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 it it just spins around. It doesn't do, there's no action. There's no system. There's no mechanical moving parts. So a Martingale Um, has a little bit of that. And a, yeah, yeah. Yep. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We have a. Slip collar. We have a Herm Springer, and we have your collar, so we have all we have all the tools.
0: Perfect. So I would just start off inside with the slip. So you get the slip on. You go up to, and I'm just again, um, this is I'm just throwing out a, a scenario. You get a slip on, right? And you have uh, you don't even need like external rewards. You don't need um, treats or anything at this point. It's just your voice and letting her know she's done well. So what I would do is go to the front door or whatever, sliding glass door or whatever. Millie, so this is two big things, right? Right now that you can do. Millie sit and she's like, yeah, but I'd rather just go outside or whatever. You give her pressure. So there's two types of pressure that you can give. Some dogs do much better with a little bit of constant pressure pulling up and they put their rear end down. Doop, they sit. Some dogs will do better with, Constant pops. So we just do pop, 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 pop. Just a little Mm -hmm. bit of pressure, you know. As we're maybe putting the rear end down with our left hand, we're popping up. So you decide. But at that moment, that is the pinnacle and the turning point of your dog understanding. A, there's accountability. If I don't listen to mom or dad, and B, you not playing with the dog and damaging your relationship because if she doesn't listen you're not going to do anything about it. That's huge. So this one little exercise is something that can change everything for you guys to let her know, hey, this isn't this isn't an option here. Millie, sit. She doesn't pressure. So she learns that if she doesn't do something she knows, which I would assume she knows sit, there's accountability mm-hmm. immediately. So it sounds like before it was kind of like sit and, if she sit, and if she doesn't sit, and if she doesn't sit, and if she doesn't sit, and then maybe we grab a treat or we squeak or we get in front of her, we hold a treat up in the air. You shouldn't do any of those things. She should be on your left side walking up to that door, that threshold. Millie, sit. If she doesn't, pressure. Accountability. Boom. Right there. And then – Yeah,
1: every time before I take her out, I always make her sit and wait until I tell her, okay, she can go out, you know, just in general.
0: Perfect. Every time. So keep – keep doing this, right? But um, this is going to then transfer to, so I'm glad that you said that. Let me paint you a picture. So I'm glad that you're doing the sit and stay before she goes out. That's routine, routine, routine. Good. Conditioned, habitual, habit forming. Great. But here's what, here's the problem is if you're going out the front door and all of a sudden the Amazon guy starts walking up your driveway and she sees that person, she's getting up. And then right. you, you have zero accountability because she's off leash. That's the problem. That's what I'm trying to okay. instill okay. is understanding. So again, if you had your slip leash on, Millie sit. She's like, oh, I know this drill. She puts her butt on the ground. And again, I'm, I'm, I am I'm want you to just take this with a grain of salt. You can apply this to anything, anything that she's not well at. So if she's good, great. But let's just say a squirrel's outside. There's a dog outside. There's something, outside, there's something externally that's in your environment now that you didn't prepare for. And she gets up. That's where you would immediately apply pressure because you asked her to sit, go to your room. There's a distraction. She got up. You would immediately give her accountability back in your room, back into a sit. Yeah, but the kids are playing outside. Doesn't matter. Am I chopped liver? Are you listening? Do you respect me or not? So that's where your accountability comes in. And with kids, it's easy. It's verbal. I'm going to take away this, or this is what's going to happen. They comprehend English language, they understand, I don't want that to happen. I'm stepping back into my room, and I'll wait for you, even though I'm in agony, and I'm crying, and I'm kicking and screaming. And with dogs, mm-hmm. they don't understand that. So you applying that pressure physically, and sometimes verbally, ah, ah, allows them to go, oh, er, wrong. And then and then you break them on your cue. And that that template, you can add to any basic obedience that the dog knows. And that will help you Start holding the dog accountable and, and, and you'll start creating more confidence. Okay. So, the next thing that you want to do, let's say you're thinking in your head, she's got this, she's going to nail this, she does this every day. Okay, great. You're on to the next step. So, then what you would do, Millie, sit. But again, <clears throat> this is something that I tell people in person and they do it anyway, I go, don't ask more than once. And they go, Millie, sit. And then she doesn't sit, sit. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. So Millie, sit. And if she doesn't, a little bit of accountability. This isn't, again, this isn't a a multiple choice. She goes into a sit, you say stay. Then what you want to do for the next step is start adding in distractions. As we build distractions out, let's say out of one through five, five is the biggest distraction we could ever do. So let's say she has a favorite ball and you're thinking, well, she doesn't like balls. Okay. Screw it. Let's say you got chicken in your hand. She loves chicken, whatever it is. Millie sit. She puts her butt on the ground. Good sit. You take her favorite ball, favorite X, you throw it. She gets up (laughs) wrong back into a sit. That is step two. Okay. So what I'm trying to piece together for you is understanding that If you don't think in your head confidently, oh yeah, she's going to nail that. She'll do that. She won't run after that ball. She won't run after that chicken. Understanding that you're requesting and wanting to work at a level five because that's the vet. I want to go into the vet and I want my dog to behave. That's level five. But we can't pass two yet. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's your job is to start prepping for reality and you want to incrementally build the dog up so they just listen to your voice. No matter what the circumstances are, you don't want to. You don't want to lean on anything. You don't want to have to use a tool. You don't want to have to use rewards. You just want your dog to listen, and that is an incremental build. Does that make sense? Yeah. So then you say, okay, she's doing great. You can throw the ball. You can throw the treats. You can throw this, and then you give her a little bit of a break. You go outside, and then let's say there's a squirrel, and whoop she goes right into this or a bird or whatever it is. And then again, you would ask her to do something. And then maybe at this point you say, Millie heal. And again, you kind of go right back to how well does she know heal? And is she ready to do heal with that much distraction? And if she doesn't, then you, you don't want to put her into those situations where she can ultimately fail. Does, is this making sense? Yeah. So again, Don't think of what is sitting and staying at a threshold have anything to do with my dog reacting to, you know, the 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 vet or the kennel person. It's because when you tell your dog to do something, they're unresponsive and will not do it if there's something else going on, which is a huge problem in your relationship, and that's how you build that up.
2: Okay. Hey Tom, can I sure ask questions? So. What I'm hearing that so that if a dog has good foundation, which foundation in this conversation just means knowing what place, come um, sit, heel is, that a board and train operation just reinforce that. Not and it was not helped this problem right here, I'm trying to is it, is something that You know, I, Heidi, we both need to continuously, for the rest of the dog's life, work and reinforce to be good, confident, good leaders for the dog in establishing the pack order of the house. And primarily, Heidi needs to work with the dog all day long, every day.
0: Yes and no. I all of what you said in the beginning is yes, um, but I don't think she has to work all day, every day on it. I just think right now, at like in a one sentence thing that we're talking about is you want your dog to behave at a level five, but you can't even go level two. That's the problem. So you have to gradually get to where... I can get her to heal nicely in these environments. I can get her to sit nicely in these environments and so on and so forth until you can build up for your dog behaving. Because to me, what you're saying makes total sense. The grass is green and the sky is blue. I have a dog that can't pass level two obedience and I go into a level five and I'm frustrated. Yep.
2: And an external yeah. trainer, I guess the question is an external trainer handling the dog is not going to change how the dog behaves with height.
0: Correct. But and this is this is the hard thing for me, guys, is the way I understand that across the world, not even in the United States, not everybody has the same philosophy that I do. So I am very heavy on education, very heavy on it. So when you're handling the dog, I am helping you along and coaching you along. So if you can find somebody that can say, Heidi, you see how your arm is constantly up, and you're constantly looking down at the dog, and you're constantly talking to the dog, and your timing was off, and your delivery wasn't on. Those are the things that you'll need in order to become better. But again, I don't, I don't know the trainers you may be working with. I don't know their philosophies. I don't, I, I don't know. So, in a perfect world, you would find somebody that understands that you would walk in and say, "Hey, my dog is a young, worky, drivey dog." that doesn't have a lot of structure. I've got, she's gotten away with quite a bit. It's now starting to boil over and she's becoming reactive and insecure and aggressive and less confident about life. And I want you as the handler, or I'm sorry, you as the trainer teacher to teach me how to develop those things with my dog and and show me the mistakes I'm making in order to become better. That's the perfect world. Again, some people are like, look what I can do. Like if you hand that leash off to me, here's what would happen. You'd come in, I'd have my, um, my place caught in between us. Your dog may lunge and try to come at me. I mean, how many, I got hundreds of videos of this happening. I take the leash. I start to kind of move away. I'm still using the shield just in case. As soon as the owner's gone, we're good. So if there's no point in me going like, look, your dog's fine. Like I'm telling you, you your dog is, it's not the people. I mean, you've, you know, that you've already done that. You've experienced that. You're like, okay, when I leave, she's great. Yep. <laughs> okay. So why? And And I'm I've already kind of given you, I think the precursor and the fundamentals of why these things are happening and how the lack of foundation can make a dog insecure, but you should be looking for a trainer that can help point out the mistakes you're making on an everyday like basis. So I don't think you have to do it every day, all day. I would just say that if you're not doing training, right, you're going to be wasting your time. And I think you should just be working. I mean, working with a trainer that can point out those mistakes. So, right. He my, just
1: said the board and train would accelerate it. It would just be go quicker because they would get the, the basics down, and then they work with me okay. retraining me with
2: her. Yeah, you just, but, but I, yeah. I think the dog has the basics. You need to train the dog to ensure that she does all the stuff. She knows everything. Right. She just doesn't do it. Board and train's not going to help. It's not going to change that, I guess is my point. Mm-hmm. She knows all the commands.
0: Mm-hmm. She just knows. I
1: think they would solidify them quicker with her.
0: Yeah, but if, if I may, I I think I think um, I I think you guys are both right. But understanding that if she knows if she knows the behaviors really well, and she knows like the sit, the heel, the place, the whatever, bringing her to a board and train facility isn't. what I think what needs to happen here is somebody needs to teach you how to instill those sustainably more than anything okay all right, you guys you've reached the end of the podcast, which means i'm going to be answering your dog training questions we're going to get into it v j VJat uh, one, two, three. Thank you. Five star review. Thank you for all the content you put out specifically for the episodes on behavioral euthanasia. I appreciated hearing about the structure life of, of military and other working dogs, as well as the structure implemented when you brought home a baby. This helped me feel less guilty about the structure and boundaries our dog lives with. We struggle with how to, to how to proceed after an incident with him. That was a hundred percent preventable and a hundred percent our fault for putting him into the situation. We have young kids and worried that about their safety We decided to get a professional help, and through a behaviorist, we are six months out from from that event, and we have no other further incidents. He is now doing really well and his life with a lot of structure. Dog is put away when kids are eating. Um, Yeah, so this is just a thank you. So thank you so much for the review. It means the world to me to hear the feedback from the podcast. Next one, Savannah BP, five-star review on my way to a happier pack. This podcast and Tom's content has given me the hope and some tools to train two difficult dogs. I adopted a healer who was dumped on the road six months ago and also have an older lab with very a lot of anxiety, easily excitable, and their energies don't mesh well. I've tried working with positive only trainer and saw no progress with Tom's content. I've realized that neither dog is aggressive or bad. They just need structure. I've noticed that my third dog has become more confident from all around having a comfort house. So I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Question. Okay. Here he is question for Tom. How do you deal with a dog that's bratty about putting equipment on and off? Um, so the question is as it is. So what I would do is, randomize the equipment processing. So making sure that you're not putting it on only when you're going out to train. That's the mistake a lot of people make. If you have a dog that becomes very sensitive and become bratty because they're like, this holds me accountable basically. Um, And some dogs do that. They're like, "This this is the only thing that holds me accountable and therefore no. So um, put it on way more often. So if you're only putting it on twice a day to go out to train, put it on 50 times a day, put it on as much as you can and use lots of positive reinforcement with it. So putting peanut butter on the ground or using a lick mat, putting it on, taking it off, putting it on, taking it off, putting it on, let the dog wear it around the house. Um, so just use it a lot more. It's a great question. Next one, Steve Saikora bless your heart on this one. Um, This is episode 138. Your patience is beyond impressive, Tom. Stay strong, brother, and keep up the great work. Your content has helped me transition from introducing Working Dog Handler Everyday Dog Owners. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Uh, So glad you're listening, man. Appreciate you, brother. Next one errrr 22 five-star review as a bully breed owner i know how stubborn these dogs can be however my question is about when do what do you do if your dog isn't responding to leash pressure i rescued my three-year-old old old english bulldog four months ago and i've been guiding him through your kickstarter online course even with a slip leash or prong collar when i pop the leash and correct regardless of the command he either ignores it or he in planting in place or looks at me like i hear you but i'm not doing it He's proven he can do the commands, but only when he wants to. Um, do you think the e-collar would be consistent pressure? Um, so I I would kind of need to know what equipment you're using. Um, so leash pressure, as you heard in a lot of my podcasts, it could be anything from a harness, it could be a prong collar, it could be a slip collar, it could be a plastic pinch collar, it could be a martingale. So I would say, Oh, you're using a slip, sorry. Um, I would say using a smaller gauge prong could be helpful. So if you're using like a 3.0, I would move to a 2.25 with a safety clip is the first thing I would do. And then if you actually feel, because I would agree, um, old English bulldogs can be very stubborn. I would really question the amount of work you're putting him through as well. I think people overdo it. So just kind of my point of view of being creative here is like really... Go out and do quality over quantity with him. So don't ask him to work like a lab or a shepherd. Go out and do five minutes of training instead of 15 because it might be too much for him. That's first and foremost because you're going to see less resistance and less failure if you don't expose him to that. little tip for you. Um, And then again, gauging, moving down on your gauge. And then yes, lastly, if your dog is good at obedience and you feel comfortable introducing the remote collar with my course, obviously that's something that you can certainly do to introduce a little bit more pressure. Um, and that, yeah, that could definitely work. You got, you're in the right headspace for that for sure. I'm going to do one more because we've gotten a lot of just really great, um, reviews from people. And, um, so I'm gonna do one more, a big dogs, vibe 100 happy pup. I've been listening to Tom before I got my German shepherd and I've learned so much about dog behavior from him. And I got my pup started off the right foot. He's the best pup I ever could have asked for. And having us in the relationship allows uh, for a very fulfilling life with off leash exploring lots of social interactions and coming up to me most places I go I am beyond grateful for the free content Thomas put out I wouldn't have had half of the handler I wouldn't be the half the handler I am that's just amazing you guys are the freaking best appreciate you guys so much uh all right I'm going to end it right there if you guys want me to answer your dog training questions make sure you head over to the iTunes review chart and I will answer yours next and I'll see you on Wednesday for another good podcast thank you guys bye